Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Sonia Rockville with us here today. Sonia, I appreciate you being part of this episode as we talk about asset management and everything associated with it. But you can find Sonia and her team at bedrockreinvestors.com. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. And for the show notes, head over to reimastermind.net for that. But again, it's bedrockreinvestors.com. And uh, Sonia is the principal and founder of Bedrock Real Estate Investors. You have a ton of other background here, and it, it almost makes me want to ask you why you chose real estate investing. It, was, it a, is, was it a part of subsidizing your income? Was it preparing for retirement? Because based on your CV here, you have quite the background. So thank you for having me on your on your podcast today. So um, yeah, I so yeah, I have to say, um, real estate investing is, is really more of like a second career for me. I started out in uh, audit. Um, my background is in accounting. So I, you know, after college, did the public, you know, uh, private audit, and uh, was in what's now considered a, um, a big four accounting firm. Um, stayed there for about three and a half or four years. I realized I did not want to be a partner um, in uh, public accounting. So then I transitioned and spent most of my career in financial services. And um, while I, I really in- enjoyed my career there, towards the end, I started thinking about, you know, what am I going to do next? Because I didn't, I didn't know longer term how I saw myself in the company. Great company, great people, but I, it just, it didn't feel like another, you know, couple decades worth of, of you know, experience and runway there. So um, I just started, I live in New York. Um, you know, buildings are all around us here in, in New York as they are everywhere, but really congested in, in New York. And I really just started getting fascinated with um, real estate, with um, apartments. I, I lived in an apartment. I grew up in apartments. Then I started reading um, Robert Kawasaki books at Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was a turning point for me. It kind of like a, something just flickered in my head. Like, wow, this is, you know, all this real estate. People own this, you know. Um, for me, probably not going to start out owning big buildings in New York, but this is really fascinating. And then as, you know, as time progressed and as as I'm going to call it luck would have it, turned out that my group in that company um, ended up getting all displaced. We were all laid off. And so, you know, I had a decision point at that point. You know, what do I do? I could find another role. I could go to a competitor. But then there's this estate thing that just really started really taking over my mind, I'll say, you know, for that for that period of time and everything that I've been reading. So I just really jumped in and it was an opportunity for me that I knew I wouldn't really have again, especially if I started in a new role or a new job. I wouldn't have the opportunity to explore. And I got so much support from my parents, my husband um, to, to just to just do it. 
um, especially while my parents didn't quite understand, but my husband more so was a little bit more. Um, and so I, you know, I joined my RIAs. Um, I, I found a multifamily investment group that was um, based out here in, in New York. Um, they're, they're not, um, they don't exist anymore. But at the time, that was my entryway um, into into commercial into commercial real estate and and actually multifamily because I joined a mm-hmm. few other groups as well and that really just broadened just the the thought that this could could be a business and um, I was not only intrigued but I learned and I met business partners there and um, and that's how that was the pathway for me to to get into um, multifamily syndication. You mentioned the the support you got from your family and and your husband. Uh, you know, it, the husband aspect is is intriguing. Did you find that it was hard to convince him, or was that something that he kind of jumped right in with you? Was he learning about real estate investing at the same time as you? How did that How did that go? Well, well, he really also has a, an interest in real estate, and I think what helped is that um, we had been going to some of the the rias together. So he was able to, you know, experience and see what I was seeing at, at the same time. And then when we decided to go to this multifamily real estate group meeting, he was there too. And, you know, he saw like the questions that I was asking and the interaction that we were having, the people that we met there. And, you know, I actually, at first I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. He's like, but this is what you've been talking about for, you know, over a year. Like, why, why wouldn't you do it? And so he actually kind of gave me that push to say, you know what, you, you have to, you know, make sometimes these investments in yourself, in your next career move, in your, in your next process to, to, to get you to the next level. And so, you know, there are different paths to take, um, but I, I wanted to to work with people who were doing things that I wanted to do. Like I mentioned, I didn't see myself investing in New York, and this group was also not investing in New York. They were in New York, but investing outside of New York, which which was great for me because I wanted to see how that actually worked. People ask me about that all the time, and. Um, and then they were they were working to to identify deals and pull pull these deals together. And I thought, you know, this is something that's really appealing to me. So it's important to you know within your network find people that you feel um, comfortable with, the people that you think you can learn from, people who are doing the things that you want to do. And and those yeah. are the that's the best way. No, I just think it's also really neat that you your husband was involved to a certain extent too. So it, it really helps, doesn't it? When you, when you have everybody on board, I mean, that's it, the- it helps a lot because there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, sacrifices that you end up having to make. Um, now, you know, when we made that decision, we didn't have children. And so, you know, if I had to travel or do something, it was definitely more flexible. Sometimes he'd even go with me. But now um, we have two young children and sometimes I do have to travel and he's, you know, holding down the fort really um, while, you know, while I'm, while I'm gone and I'm trying not to be away a whole lot, but it's, you know, it's all a balance and then, you know, making sure that, that he gets his time too. So it's really, it's, it, it really does help tremendously when, you know, the, both people are, are on the same page or, you know, reading from the same book and like, what is it that you want to get out at the end? 
And, you know, and then you end up like writing that book together. Um, it's not always, sure. it's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but it's, it's, it's easier when you're on the same page for sure. Well, let's, let's jump into the primary topic here today, asset management. And, you know, with you and your background being a former auditor and just the, just your financial background. Yes. So, um, I, 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 I definitely, um, I'm able to, to utilize my audit skills and um, my finance background in, in um, asset management, because, you know, some of the things that people always ask me about asset management, you know, what, what is it? And so, um, because they said, you know, isn't it just the same thing as property? Property management is really focusing on the 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 day-to-day management of the of the property you really need to be on the ground you need to have um you know not even if you have a smaller property you may not have a physical somebody physically there but you need to have somebody who can easily um go to the property to resolve issues or any problems that come up so so that's the, the role of property manager as an asset manager um there there are two big things first of all um, you're setting up the strategy for that property. How is it, what are you going to do to make it perform? And that's part of the original business plan that you put together when you were underwriting the property in the very beginning, um, when you were researching the market, when you were making sure that you um, had a, a, a plan as to how you were going to, to uh, drive value for the property. So that's that, that, that value creation and that strategy creation that you're doing from the very beginning. And um, you're working with a property management to execute on that strategy. And if things aren't exactly going the way you're expecting them to be, you really have to ask why. That's that's always my, my audit hat. Why is this not, um, why do we have a difference in our expectation for the number of, of units that are that are occupied? Why did the expenses go up? Why is revenue higher this month? Even if it's good, I always want to know why, because you don't know if that's a one-time thing um, or is this like something that you can expect more consistently and then you can you can factor in, wow, this is something unexpected that's happening in the market. We're going to be able to get these increases or is it, you know, that that um, increase that you told me, it's really because this apartment was so below rent. This was the lowest apartment below rent. And then you got that bump up because of that one apartment. That's still great news, but that's not going to be the same for all of the apartment rents that we that we get because the delta isn't that large, something like that. You know, um, th- that that is that is really re- the, the the job of one of the jobs of your as of an asset manager is to make sure that you're moving along in the plan and then understanding why or, or why not, and then working with property management to make the changes to fix it. So it's very much so a partnership um, and you, you want to have a strong relationship with your property manager and you want to get the property manager that um, best suits your property. So if you're focused on primarily, you know, A-class properties, then you want to have a property manager that can execute on those types of strategies. If you're really in workforce housing and see properties, it's going to be more challenging for that, that A-class only property manager to, um, to execute on the strategies because they may not understand that resident base. So, you know, those are some of the things that are important. But then another thing that's also very um, 
important about asset management. And and I have to say, like asset management sometimes doesn't get its it's like it's it's props because it's it's not the acquisitions piece, right? Everybody is really mm-hmm. excited to get the deal, but then you have to remember you have to keep the deal. You have to make it perform the way you said it was going to perform because if you're syndicating, you're bringing in investors. And so you want to be as um, wanting to work as, as best as you can to, to execute on your plan. And so that's the other part of asset management. It's um, to me, it's, it's also investor relations and making sure that you have a strong relationship with your investors as the deal takes place. Um I, I remember uh, um, uh, a colleague of mine told me about, uh, a, you know, a deal that someone was in and performed very well, but they they decided that they, they weren't going to invest with that sponsor because they they never knew what was happening. It was like, here's the deal. And then two years later, um, here's your money. We sold and we did really well. And while they did well, they didn't know what was happening along the way. So part of the role of asset management is making sure that you're giving your investors updates about what's happening on the property. So they know what the performance is and how you have to make decisions or changes or, you know, anything that's going on. Um, it's it, that's critical. Yeah. Well, there's a, you brought up a ton of stuff that I, I'm going to want to touch on here. So first of all, um, you, you talked about being a partner with property manager, um, and, and finding one that suits the property. What type of questions or how have how do you determine if, if that property manager property manager is a good fit? Yeah, so uh, there are a few things. Um, first, you know, understanding like what's the size of my property. So is it a fifty unit? Is it a hundred and fifty unit? You have to find a property manager that's that's um, that's used to or can manage the size property that you're that you're working with. So, for example, sometimes when you have smaller uh, size complexes, you know, 30 units or or you know, 50 units or so, sometimes you'll see that there may be um, uh, like single family uh, property managers that may enter into that space and, and can say that, you know, that they can, they can manage the property. And, you know, sometimes they, they can, but um, you want to make sure that you're, you're finding a team that's, that is going to um, be able to, to manage the, like, what's, what's, what's really happening on a 50 unit. And it's, it's different than 50 different houses that may not have the same needs, uh, you know, at the same time, if you have, you know, something specifically happening on the property, there's a flood, there, there are multiple residents that could be impacted by that. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that, the, that they're able to, to, to manage that. Also, sometimes some of the smaller properties, they may not be able to support a full-time person working on them. Um, so you want to make sure that if you're, you know, working with a manager that's maybe used to managing larger complexes, that your property is not going to be unduly burdened with expenses because you're not going to be able to to support the cash flows. Don't really support having full time staff on them. It just it just doesn't work. So you need to find a um, a management company that has a strategy to manage smaller size properties, and they they know what to do um, when you know there's there's a property less than a hundred units, and you know th- that style. Um, 
also, I would say um, a, a management company that's that's very familiar with the area that you're going to be um, that you're going to have your property. So, so one of our first deals, we had a property that was in a very niche area in in Atlanta that was um, highly um, refugee area. Um, Everybody was there, you know, legally, it's just that they were fleeing their country. And so they're like, it's very, you know, very different cultural dynamic. And you you want to have a manager that understand that understands that. I remember interviewing a few property managers um, before, you know, we, we found the one that would work on it. And most of them were like, oh, wow, like that area, I don't really know, you know, I'm not very comfortable with that, you know, resident base or things like that. I appreciated them telling me that because that was going to be, a, that would have been a challenge. And so it was, it was, you know, good that we found a, a property management company that not only, they, they also managed their own properties. So they, they were, they had a lot of properties in that area. So they were very familiar with the resident base. And so that's very niche, but like, just in general, you want to know that the management company is very um, aware of what's happening in the market. Um, you, you, it's better if they have presence there. They're already familiar with the, the 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 demographic and you know really the psychographics of the of your resident base, so that they can um, they can help you with the marketing and you can make sure you get your units filled at the best prices. So, so those are really important. So, you know, I, I would say it's you know the size unit. The, the demographic and that also goes to you know whether it's um uh you know an a b c class property that's also something that you'd want to also take into consideration and then also their level of reporting is important too um you you, you know um smaller size property management companies or, or management companies that do single single families they may not necessarily have some of the the more widely used systems that multifamily managers use and you would need to have those so that you can understand the different metrics um you know lease ups you can understand who's moving out um you can get you finer details from the reporting about what's happening on the property how many leases are coming up for renewal how many are renewals etc and then also they should have a great read on on um whether you have opportunities to bump up your rent um, or if you, if, or, you know, are, are your rents too high and, you know, you have to think about, about doing other measures on the property. So I think those are the, some of the key things. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, with, with that, you also talked about setting expectations with your property manager. Uh, you know, I've, I've found, and, and I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing me say it, but for the most part, Property managers and real estate investors, for the sometimes the interests aren't aligned. So to have that uncomfortable conversation up front versus ending with an uncomfortable conversation is probably pretty vital. So have you found that it's easier to have you set expectations or does do you find that a lot of the property managers kind of just say, this is the way we do it, take it or or not. Yeah, so that's that's also um, a great point, Jack, and, and something that, you know, we, we, we also try to talk to our property managers, actually, we do talk to them about it, prior to engaging with them. So we are going to be having weekly meetings um, with, the, with the property management company, and uh, especially in the beginning. And, and sometimes, depending on the strategy that we have, if it's a very capital intensive strategy, um, it may be more than 
once a week, but at least we're going to be meeting with them on a weekly basis to, uh, to understand uh, what's happening on, on the property. And that's that's really critical to make sure that that is understood. I, I remember there was a when we have one of our, our managers, um, we had gone from, you know, what I think it was actually, we started out with monthly meetings. Um, I don't know how we did that, but it ended up working out for our investors, but I would not recommend that. Uh, it, it's got to be, it's got to be weekly. And so when we switched and we got another property, we, you know, it was a realignment of, okay, this, this is a different type of property now. This is what we need to do. And so um, it was, it was a bit challenging that, that switch over in the beginning. So they're aware of really what's happening um, in, in the beginning and then the types of things that you're going to be looking at too. So they can also be focused on that. Right. So you, let, now let's talk a little bit about the actual budgets and, and the actual asset management. So you, you talked about, especially when you're doing syndication, the communication with your investors, what have you been doing different? Like uh, you, you mentioned where some of the downfalls are with some of the other syndicators, you know, people aren't going to invest if you're not communicating with them. How often do you communicate with your investors? Yeah. So what we do is we have, um, we have quarterly um, webinars for our investors. So, so, you know, a lot of times people think, okay, once, once you get your investors into the deal, then, then that's your investor relations piece and you're kind of done. And, and that's, you know, I couldn't say further from the truth. So what we do is we'll put together um, our presentations to, to share with the investors how we're trending on, on a quarterly basis and provide them with that information. We'll, we look at, we look at uh, what's happening in terms of um, our occupancy and, and what's happening on the revenue and expense side, go into details about, capital expenditures and essentially how we're against our budget and, and, and our expectations. And then towards the end of the year or the beginning of the year, like, like around and around now when it's, it's tax season, we're, we're giving them a heads up about when to expect their K-1s, um, the fact that we've you know, distributed it to them, you know, we, we touch base with them on that. When we're doing our payouts, we will also send emails to just tell them about the, um, the, the payment that they should be expecting. And, um, and actually, um, you know, depending on the frequency of that, you, you may have additional communication with them, um, know what to expect and when to expect uh, the payouts. Um, and then again, you know, when we, when we ended up uh, selling our deals, you, or when we got into contract, we, if, if it wasn't something that came up in our, in our, a quarterly meeting because maybe it happened up before um, happened afterwards. We would then, you know, send them email about what's happened on the deal. So it's a constant communication back and forth, and of course, answering questions timely when people people ask. Yeah, no, I I can't imagine, I, especially when you're talking about as many units and properties that you're you're working with at this point. It's probably pretty vital because a lot of the people that are investing with you on one deal they're likely going to be the ones that uh, you're fostering the relationship for the next deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have investors that have been with me in all five deals uh, so far. And, you know, that's um, our, you know, our personal relationship that we've built prior to me going into real estate um, while we were investing, while they've been investing with me and just 
throughout that time. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I appreciate that. And, and I think so it's it's really important to, to have that communication with them. So, you know, it sounds like it's some, this is especially the financial piece of it is something that you've kind of established early on in your real estate investing. What are some of those tips or strategies that you would recommend people, especially if they're starting out? What what should they be getting in the habit of now so that it's a better situation when they are managing 400 units and having five multifamily properties such as you? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, some of the things are, it actually really starts when you're when you're picking your market, understanding what's happening in in that market. Um, We really like markets where, you know, like everybody else does, where there's, you know, you you see the population growth, you see, um, you know, jobs growth, that's so important, because I mean, people have to be able to, they need to be working to pay for your rent. So when you start seeing in um, unemployment rates, meaning they're going down, that those are, you know, you're looking, you're looking for markets that have that. And so then, um, so it starts from there, building the relationships with your property manager, also broker relationships, or if you have other ways to find deals off market, um, that's also a great thing to do, especially in this market where it's so competitive, um, with the, the, with the on market deals, but mix of, of, of several strategies to try to find, to try to find your right deal. Um, so then once, once you do that, one of the things is when you're doing your underwriting, um, I, that's why it's important. I always think it's important to find your property management team early so that you can review your pro forma with them. Because like I said, their property manager, they're your partner. And so they are going to be working with you to achieve your goals. So I remember putting together a pro forma and, you know, I, I thought that I was being um, conservative in, in a, a, a ramp up and for a we were looking at and it, it was during COVID. And one of the things that the property manager mentioned to me is, look, you really need to factor in three additional months for your, your, um, uh, your turns, because what's happening now is the, the crews are getting hit with COVID. There's going to be issues with, you know, finding and, and making sure that the project is moving as quickly. I'm seeing a slowdown of X number of months kind of factor that in as well. And that was huge. That was a huge thing to, to include in there. Also on the expenses to, um, you know, uh, getting that sanity check. Yes, this makes sense. Or based on the size, the size of the property, the number of units, you know, we expect that, you know, this should fall in line with some of the other properties that we've seen for water bills, etc. versus, um, you know, uh, it just, using that, you know, just numbers that you're, that you've, that you may have pulled together a broker package. Um, and then it just also making sure that from a revenue perspective for, for growth rates, that they're in line with what's happening also in the market. Um, yes, there may have been 12% growth uh, last year, but it doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen for the next six, seven years that you're holding the property. So, you know, getting that sanity check from them is also really important up front. Sure. So it, it, it sounds like it's a lot to do with your network and communication and understanding your market. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. a, that's a great summary there. 
So um, do you, have you found that there are any kind of specific tools that you are leveraging to, to handle the, the asset management of it? You know, the, I know property management is always, you know, they're, they're usually using property management oriented software. Um, so outside, you know, I've seen everything from as simple as an Excel spreadsheet for, for what we're talking about regarding asset management to QuickBooks or, or some other type of, you know, uh, software of that nature. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the tools that I use are reports that I can pull from my property manager. So, you know, that helps me with the delinquencies. So if I want to see at any given point, where are we with collections? That's something that we're actively monitoring each week. It'll it'll be different for some for some properties, but you know, just depending on what the collection what the collections are, uh, you know, over, over the course of the month for your property, that's something you also you definitely want to monitor because that's the the blood of your business. Um, so you know, where are we with collections? Where are we with um, with uh, notices to vacate? So you know what apartments are coming up. How many how many uh, apartments are on are offline? Meaning, you know how many are are down, need to be rented? What's the status of the renovation for those? Um, if possible, it's always good to be able to track how much it's costing to do the renovations. This way, that gives you a, a, a benchmark. To, to, to understand the turn costs because those are some of the most expensive costs that you have that are reoccurring as an operator, um, as an asset manager. So, um, and then uh, your work orders, what types of work orders are coming up? Is it something that may be indicating that there's, there's leaks in, you know, in within the, the property or, you know, repairs that are always needed for, um, leaks from the ceiling. So maybe that means, you know, a roof needs to get replaced, something that you hadn't anticipated before. Uh, those are those are all really important. And, um, and then also just monitoring where we are versus our budget to the operating expenses. There are some expenses, you know, you're you're expecting to, to see come in, um, you know, your your regular trash and you know electricity and some utilities. Um, and then and then I would say um, also just keeping a monitor on your on your on the on the property taxes, what's happening in the area as well. Um, and I would just say as an underwriting tip, and you know this is just something that especially if you're new and starting out, could, you, you know it's easy to kind of miss it. It's just make sure that you're calculating your property tax. Uh, what what's what's relevant for your county? So it may be that your county doesn't you know reassess for two. But that means that you should be using your purchase price to do that reassessment whenever that happens, because you don't want to get caught with that level of of um, of, of a shortfall um, when you're managing yeah. your property. Yeah, that, there's a lot of that's that's really important to point out because it actually bit me. It, it, you know, yeah. you you buy a property, it's it's now you've because of the transaction, you've increased the property value. And what they use for that type of an assessment, and now the taxes are higher than when you originally ran those numbers. So be be mindful of that. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I know I you know I don't know how you manage it either, but you know for me for I, I have to do. If you've ever read Profit First, uh, oh I've, yes, I have, I have, yes, yeah, I have to do that. Tor, tor, that type of strategy when it comes to managing property. So I, I actually have to, 
I have an account outside of my uh, other account where I, every month I'm just in a habit of setting aside a certain percentage of the rents aside into that account. And that's what it's used for when it comes to tax season. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's the yeah, only that's way I great. can keep track of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, for some of our properties, um, actually, for most of them, our our lenders taking it out for us. So we uh, we we have that, and we just but you do have to double check, but just to make sure that they're not. Um, if they're taking out less than what you need, then you need to make sure you know for whatever you know their calculations may be. But you know it's going to be more. Take it out, like you said, yep. Yep. Uh, so that you're not caught guard later on. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate this conversation. And, and it, it sounds like we could probably keep going here today. Um, again, I'm just going to direct everybody to bedrockreinvestors.com. Learn a little bit about what uh, Sonia and her team are working on and, and their next uh, project. I'm sure you, you keep everything updated there. If you're halfway as as transparent as you are with your investors, I, I'm sure there's a ton of content on that website. So uh, definitely check that out, bedrockreinvestors.com. And uh, Sonia, before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Um, we, we covered a lot, but I would I would say that of the things, um, especially for people that are getting started in this environment right now, you know, what should you do? How, how do you, how do you start out or, or how do you keep going? And, and I would say, yes, it, it is a competitive environment. And there's a lot of times I, I think about that as well for, for myself. Um, however, you know, surround yourself with people that support you. And if it's not people at home, there are groups, there are real estate investment groups, um, RIAs, there's a lot of online meetups, uh, there's lots of opportunities to meet people. So I would say this is a people business in every aspect. Uh, and, you know, use the opportunities to to connect with other people who, who are doing things that you want to do, or um, you know, who can help you on your journey and then you can support them also. So, you know, I would just say to, to folks to, to hang in there, to, to, to keep meeting people and, um, just to keep pushing forward. No, this was a great conversation. Um, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll consider coming back sometime. We could dive a lot deeper. Uh, I'd love to understand, <laughs> for example, your underwriting process. Uh, associated with uh, your your multifamily properties. So, thank you so much for being here. And uh, like I said, you're you're welcome back anytime. That's so great. Thank you so much, Jack. This was fantastic. Thanks for having me. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.